Let's pray as we come to God's word. Father God, we thank you for the privilege we have of gathering as your people under your word because of all you've done for us in Jesus. Lord God, we thank you that as we come to your word, we're confident that your Holy Spirit is working in us, convicting us of your good word, shaping and growing us more like your son Jesus as we live in this world. So, Father God, we ask that you would do your work in us this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, over the Christmas break, I've been watching a TV show called Scorpions. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. Uh, It's about a team of high IQ uh, individuals, really smart people, uh, all working together on projects to save the world. And I think, watching uh, this show, that the biggest theme of this uh, TV series is not actually about smart people. It's not about smart ways to solve problems, even though that's what it sounds like. I actually think the theme of this show, Scorpions, is teamwork. Teamwork. Working together instead of going at it yourself to solve problems. Even high IQ smart people, they need to work together. They need each other. They need different skills, different people working together to solve problems. You see, in the show, Scorpions, when they work together, they're awesome. Things go well, they go great. But when they go it alone, when they do it themselves, they don't work. Things go wrong. They're a mess. And between the smart problems solving, the tense races against the clock, and laughing at smart people with no EQ, the show's catchphrase could almost be this. Teamwork. We're all in this together. Well, as we kick off this year at Hertford Street Baptist Church, as we tackle today's massive passage, packed full of great truths that Ken just wrote, read out, as we think of the church, us, God's people, how God wants us as a church to function, what our goal is this year, I think in today's passage, the same catchphrase rings through about the church. Teamwork. Us. We're all in this together. These are a packed 16 verses. We can spend weeks upon weeks here So today, we won't touch on everything. Uh, You see, as we get to this passage this morning, Paul's just finished three chapters in Ephesians focusing on the gospel message. Chapter 1, God's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Chapter 2, that great passage, you're dead in your sins, but God's made you alive. And it's by grace through faith in Jesus He's brought peace also with God and with one another. Chapter 3, God wants the church to declare the wisdom found in the gospel, and Paul prays for the gospel to do its work. And now as we come to chapter 4, he moves from gospel truths to application, from theology to practice, from doctrine to the day-to-day. And remember here in this letter to the Ephesians, Paul speaking not to individuals only, but to the church. All the words here are plural. So today's passage 
not about me or you. It's about us, together, teamwork. We're all in this together. You see, we won't get church right if we don't get this passage. We won't get church right if we don't understand Ephesians 4, 1 to 16. So today is a challenge for us all together as we begin this year, as we continue through this COVID season. And there's three parts that will move through relatively quickly. And at the end, we'll see what it means for us today. And the first part, it's about unity. We're united in the same life calling from God. Verse 1, keep your Bibles open. I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The chapter starts with the word therefore. You see, Paul's looking back to all of chapters 1 to 3 and he's saying, in light of that, in light of the gospel, the good news, that salvation and new life God has given you in Jesus, that's what we've been called to. And Paul says you, plural. He's talking to everybody together, the church corporately and all the individuals in it. He says, walk in a manner worthy of chapters 1 to 3. Live in a manner worthy of the gospel, worthy of the way that you've been saved in Jesus. And note that Paul, he doesn't say some of you live this way. It's not a suggestion. Maybe if you want, if you can live this way. It's not singular you live this way. It's not sometimes when you feel like it. Paul, he urges, he pleads, he encourages. Let your behavior follow your belief. Walk in a manner worthy of the way you've been saved, worthy of the gospel calling. He keeps going by showing what this looks like in verse 2 and 3. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul, he picks out these attributes in particular, most likely because if you think the opposite of these qualities, they're enemies of unity. And these qualities here, they grow, they cultivate unity, and they cast out that me-centered thinking. Humility. It's not about being weak, but looking for the concern of others more than yourself. Gentleness, it's about being kind to others. Someone told me once, it's kind of like thinking strength under control. Bearing with one another in love. It's not just to tolerate or to put up and then give up down the track, but it's to endure, to persevere, to keep going in love and eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Without being urgent about unity, laboring and working to keep the bonds of peace, that peace that God's won for us in Jesus. You see, Paul, he calls us collectively, you walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, to do this together, united, 
The way it's pictured, it's kind of like if the whole church, we were all carrying a fragile piece of fine art together. We work together, we're gentle about it, humble, enduring, and laboring towards unity. But I think in today's church, we treat unity in the church more like a game of hot potato. We don't hold on to it for long. We let it go. We don't want to keep hold of it. We want to let it drop. I think God's reminding us today that living in a manner worthy of the gospel, it's not just me and you. It's us. If you're a follower of Jesus, we're called together, corporately, united in the same calling. We're all in this together. And Paul, he hones in on this unity as he ends this first part, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Seven ones, again and again, this sevenfold statement spelling out the grounds for this unity that we have, why we're all in this together. There's one body, many parts, many believers, but there's one body, the church, one spirit. We all have access to God the Father the same way. We're all united to Christ the same way, one hope. We all share the same confident expectation of life forever. One faith, we're all saved by the same object of faith, Christ Jesus. One baptism, we're all baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. One God and Father of all, we worship the same God. The same one supreme and sovereign one overall. You see, this first part is all about unity. Unity in living in a manner worthy of the gospel. As God's church, we're called in this together. We're all in this together. But as we think about this and we keep going, unity, it doesn't mean uniformity. Yes, we're all saved the same way. We're all called to the same gospel lifestyle. But God hasn't created us the same way. And that's a good thing, that I'm me, and you're you, and you're not me, and I'm not you. He's created us differently. He's given us different skills and gifts to bring to the table as we work together as a team, as a church. And that's where the next part of today's passage goes. Diversity in the gifts Christ has given. Verse 7, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. In the context here, the word grace, it's not talking about saving grace and the undeserved gift of salvation, but it's talking about an undeserved gift in terms of serving for ministry, skills, abilities, ministry gifts. And note here that Christ has gifted each one of us these gifts as we unite together and live in a manner worthy of the gospel. You see, we're all in this together. Every single one of you has a gift for serving others in the church. 
Christ has graciously, sovereignly, meticulously, and wisely gifted you in a way to serve others as we live for Jesus here. In verse 8 to 10, Paul points to the Old Testament and comments on it to support this claim. We won't spend too much time on it, but it says here, Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. That's Psalm 68, verse 18. And here's the comment. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, all the heavens, that he might fill all things. In the ancient times, uh, when a nation uh, was victorious in battle, uh, the king and the army would return home, ascend to his throne, and he would receive gifts from men for his victory. And Paul here, he links this psalm to Jesus, who descends to our world, verse 9 and 10, is victorious in his battle over sin and death, and he ascends to his throne high in heaven, which is what the psalm talks about. But this king, Jesus, the Messiah, he does the opposite of the pagan nations. Instead of receiving, the victorious Christ gives gifts to men, gifts of grace for service as we live in a manner worthy of the gospel together. You see, we're united, we're together, but Christ has given us diversity. He's given each of us gifts to serve others as we live for Jesus together. So we have unity, we have diversity, and as we get to our third part, point and part, what's the point of all of this unity and diversity? Because knowing the goal of all of this, the purpose of why we're all in this together as a church, it's probably the most important thing to understand about the church. What's the point? Why are we all in this together? Most of you heard about my basketball team. Uh, we have unity as a team. Uh, we have diversity too. Uh, we have very different players, tall, short, big, agile, passers, shooters, and defenders. But when we get to this point, we're actually a really dysfunctional basketball team. Our goals are all different, depending on who you talk to. Some say win or lose, it's all about having fun. Others say fun or not, it's all about winning. And others say win or lose, fun or not, it's just about playing well. And I think we have this problem in the church too. We may feel unity, we may understand that diversity is good, but sometimes we share different goals about the church. Is it about having fun? Is it about winning the numbers game? Is it about ticking the ritual and routine box? What's the point? What's the goal of this church thing? Unity in diversity. We're all in this together, but why? Well, verse 11 to 16, they're packed with truths. And these verses answer that question of what's the point? What's the goal? What are we in this together for? And the answer is this, maturity, spiritual maturity, Christian maturity, 
growing and being built together to be more like Jesus. Have a look at verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Paul, he picks out a few giftings or types of people. Note that all these are actions of speaking, uttering God's truth in some way or another. And Paul keeps going. And he gave these four giftings to do the work of ministry. Now, it doesn't say that, does it? But sometimes we function like that, don't we? Pastors, leaders, deacons, the gifted ones, they do all the work. But Paul says here, and he gave these four giftings to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. You see, pastors, teachers, preachers, all these sorts of people, they equip the saints. That's the church, the saints, every single believer. And who does the work of ministry? It's the saints who builds up the body of Christ. It's all the believers. Who does the work of growing the church? It's the church. Every believer here is part of this work. In fact, God has placed you here and gifted you exactly the way he wants so that you can serve in this place. Paul keeps going in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And here's the goal of this diverse unity, this serving, this building up, this growing work. And it's repeated three times. Unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Believers together in complete agreement and completely trusting in the truths of Jesus to mature manhood, maturity, adulthood, not just individually, me or you, but all of the believers to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ-likeness, looking like Christ in all his fullness. You see, it's repeated three times, maturity. That's the goal. We're all in this together for that purpose. That's the point of the church. That's the point of serving and getting involved. It's also a goal that has a now but not yet aspect. Because in one sense, the goal of maturity and Christ-likeness will only be fully realized on that day when Jesus returns in glory. But in another sense, God wants us to work to this end now, to grow and to grow others in maturity now, to strive to be more like Jesus today and to strive to help others to be more like Jesus today. That's why our new mission statement, it includes the phrase, making disciples. That's the core business of our church, making, growing, and building disciples. From people who don't know Jesus, all the way to people growing to be mature disciples of Jesus. Verse 14 shows why maturity matters. 
so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You see, maturity matters because spiritual immaturity, children in terms of immature believers, they get tossed around by every wind of doctrine. They're like a rudderless boat. They fanboy to the next new cool teaching here, there, everywhere. They're never grounded in the gospel. They get tricked by human cunning. The used car salesman teacher, they buy into them. Teachings of man that have no biblical foundation, they follow them. And they also fall for the craftiness in deceitful schemes. You see, immature believers, they don't just get sucked into human tricksters. They fall for the evil one, Satan's schemes, the one ultimately leading people away from God. You see, we're all in this together as a church. We don't want anyone in this place being tossed around, being tricked by man, or falling into Satan's traps. We want everyone here growing, being built up as mature believers and disciples of Jesus. And we want everyone being part of that work of growing others up, building others up into mature disciples of Jesus. We're all in this together. And maturity is a goal. Not numbers, not a smooth service, not comfort, not a shiny and secure property, not meeting our offering budgets, not even being doctrinally sound, even though all of these are good things to aim at. Maturity, mature disciples is the goal for God's people. And Paul, he rounds this up in verse 15 and 16. Rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When every part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The most part here is rehashing, summarizing, and concluding beautifully what's already being said. The only last thing I want to point out here is the ingredient that makes the team work, the ingredient that makes the church tick, that allows maturity to happen. Yes, sound theology is important. Ministry structures are important. But the key ingredient, it's love. Speaking the truth, speaking the truth of the gospel in love. The body builds itself up in love. Love for one another is the key ingredient. Love for the team, love for the church, love for our fellow believers. Love for others is the key towards maturity. Well, we've looked at a rich passage this morning as we kickstart our year. We've applied it to ourselves here and there as we've looked at the passage. But as we finish off this morning, I want to leave us with three points that appear all through today's passage that challenges us 
corporately and you and me individually as we consider what God wants us to do from this passage. First challenge, we need to think we, not me. There's two incorrect thinkings that float in the church. First is that the church is about me. Faith is an individual journey, me and God, and that's it. Second is that serving is for the gifted, the pastor, the leaders, the skilled, and the passionate ones only. But Ephesians 4 teaches that the church, God's people, living for Jesus, it's a we thing, us. We're all in this together. And we're not to forsake the individual. I have to grow. I have to serve. But the outlook, the thinking is outward and collective. We're united in Jesus. We walk together. We serve one another. We grow one another, love one another. We work for the ministry together. We build each other up. We're all to reach that goal of maturity. Maybe you need to change your mindset about following Jesus today. We, not me, we're all in this together. Second challenge today, what are you living for? What guides your decisions, your conduct, what you put your time and energy into life today? Well, I think Paul gives us a great summary of the Christian life. Ephesians 4, verse 1. Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Walk in a manner worthy of how you've been saved. Walk in a manner worthy of Christ. Whether you love or hate resolutions, the new year often comes of thinking about resolutions, New Year's resolutions. We ask people about them, and we also look back at last year. How did we go? Well, what if your resolution this year and every year is to live in a manner worthy of Christ? How will I live in a manner worthy of Christ this year, this month, this week, today? When you have a tough decision to make in life, how am I going to live in a manner worthy of Christ? When you're frustrated, about to crack it, about to give up, how am I going to live in a manner worthy of Christ? Even through this COVID season, COVID's hard, but how am I going to live in a manner worthy of Christ? Third and final challenge. How are you building the church to maturity? How are you building the church to maturity? You see, Ephesians 4 shows us that we're all in this together. Each of us are called to build the body of Christ, growing others to maturity, to Christ's likeness, to serve one another with the gifts that Christ has given you to speak the gospel to one another in love. You see, the church isn't like going to a restaurant where we walk in, we're served, and we digest, and we leave full. It's more like a ship, I think, 
all hands on deck, serving, contributing, helping others as we all live for Jesus together and as we grow towards spiritual maturity together. See, we're all in this together. So how are you building the church to maturity? Well, let me give you some practical ways of doing this as we finish off. After the service or during the week, ask people how they're going in living for Jesus. Get beyond the weather and how your week's been. Ask people how they're going in living for Jesus. Pray for people and their spiritual growth. Pray with them. Read the Bible with them. Share with them about something you've read from your daily time with God or the books that you've borrowed from our church library. Talk about your struggles in living for Jesus. Join a community group. Put up your hand to serve and connect and grow relationships, real, deep, genuine, authentic relationships with others in the church. Get your hands dirty in growing others to maturity because we're all in this together. Let's finish with Paul's summary in verse 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined, to get joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Father God, you saved us from death in our sins. You saved us by grace through faith in Jesus and his saving work on the cross. Help us to live in light of your life-giving work, to live in a manner worthy of Christ who saved us. And Lord God, help us to do this together, walking together, serving together, growing and building one another up together. And may you be growing each of us to be more like Jesus, using us to grow others to be more like Jesus too. Forgive us, Lord God, for the times that we haven't done this. And Lord, give us a renewed desire to live for Jesus together today and as we head into this week and this year ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.